Okay, Google, play the Sideline Hustle podcast. Sure, the Sideline Hustle football podcast. Here's where you left off. This is a forward progress interruption sponsored by Phenom Elite and the Sideline Hustle podcast. Fellow Americans, it is with the utmost pride and sincerity that I present this recording as a living testament and recollection of history in the making during our generation. Allow me to reintroduce myself. This is your host, Drew Lieberman. I've slept on a couch for three out of my five working years. I'm willing to do that again to make this podcast turn into a big media company and, and kind of live that dream out because there's no other side for me. Like everything's been done just by us hustling. We've been literally recording a podcast on a couch I bought from Bob. <laughs> now, back to our regular schedule program. You know, basically, that's that's why I played that long. I played nine years because I was able to lock in, focus in, and outwork everybody. Right. You know, each and every day because you know football is not not given to you. You got to earn it, and mm-hmm. and I felt like I felt like I earned it each and every day out there on the practice field. You know, I let it let it all left it all out there, and you know, there's there's no regrets now. Welcome to episode three of Forward Progress, powered by the Sideline Hustle podcast. I am your host, Drew Lieberman, and we are bringing the heat with today's guest. We recorded this interview about three months ago, and I've been dying to release it ever since. On the show with us today is Derek Hagan, a nine-year NFL veteran who was originally from Los Angeles, California. Derek was drafted in the third round by the Miami Dolphins in 2006 after leaving Arizona State as its most decorated wide receiver of all time. He still holds school records for career catches, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. After a nine-year NFL career, Derek started his own business and apparel line, Derek Hagan Apparel, began a career as a radio host and TV personality back at his alma mater, before recently joining Herm Edwards' staff at Arizona State as an offensive analyst this spring. Derek has seen a lot in his short time as a legendary college football player, a seasoned NFL veteran, an entrepreneur, a businessman, and now a Division I college football coach, and his story is incredible. Incredible, and he has a lot to share. Don't forget to take a look at our show notes and episode description below uh, for information on any people that might be mentioned in the podcast, as well as links to Derek's clothing line and, and much more. Uh, we've tried to really flesh out the show notes and provide more details, so, so make sure you take a look at those for more information. I could not be more excited to bring you episode three of Forward Progress with Derek Hayden. You're a little kid, you know, you had fun playing, so why not have fun when you're 30 years old? Exactly. Just because it's at the higher level, nothing needs to change from that. That's what that's what the game's built on, is everyone everyone loving it and the love for the game. Yeah, and you get paid to do it, so like, why not? <laughs> right. For people who don't know, give me like a brief, you know, two-minute summary kind of, of your football journey, your life journey, how you've gotten here, and, and what you're up to now, just, just to fill them in and, and, and start it off. Man, well, you know, obviously football, football's been great. You know, that, that was my outlet is something I fell in love with as a little kid. Uh, you know, obviously uh, uh, getting a scholarship to Arizona State now, you know, leaving and still being our all-time leading receiver and, 
every major uh, receiving category. So I think we're going on, you know, 15 mm-hmm. years now, which is mm-hmm. good. And you're second in the Pac-12 uh, in like two of those, right? And catches. Oh, and yeah. Runs, yeah. I'm second in the Pac-12 in, uh, in yards. And I think I'm like fourth now in, or oh, fifth okay. in catches because they throw the ball so much now in the Pac-12. It's unbelievable. So I don't, I don't, I really don't count. If you're throwing a swing pass to somebody, I don't count that as a pass, in my book, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, Arizona State getting drafted in the third round to Miami. Um, you know, obviously it was there for two years and two and a half, and you know, I was fortunate enough to have a uh, uh, a nine year career. Um, you know, as as being a go to guy in college and then going pro and not being a go to guy, you know, things you have to be able to change your game. So. You know, there was days where, you know, I was going to going into the game where I was I was a third, third receiver, fourth receiver, fifth receiver. But I had to change my game. You know, I had to be able to play all the receiver spots and at the same time play on special teams. So right. I think that is what really helped me. You know, it, it made me more valuable. You know, mm-hmm. it was almost like the more you can do. And and having a wide receiver that's, you know, six two two ten that can, you know, run down the field on kickoff and make right. some plays or be the gunner on the outside. It completely changed my game. But at the same time, knowing uh, every receiver spot so it just helped me out a whole lot more and you know basically that's that's why I played that long I played nine years because I was able to lock in focus in and outwork everybody right you know each and every day because you know football is not not giving to you, you got to earn it and mm-hmm. and I felt like I felt like I earned it each and every day out there on the practice field you know I let it let it all left it all out there and you know there's there's no regrets now so that that's was my awesome. career it's done yep. I finished up 2014 in in Nashville and with the Titans and didn't end well. We went two and fourteen, which is never good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, now that that was football, so it's been great. Now, now I'm done, and cleats are hung up. Haven't officially retired yet, but uh, you know, it's, it's pretty much done since I've been doing other stuff. So uh, yeah, fair enough. Not just enjoy watching. First thing, wide receiver-wise, this is to me the most interesting question because it's something I work on with my players a lot, is I was reading, just reading up on you, reading about the beginning of your career in the NFL, after you got drafted, all that, and it was talking about how your, your rookie year, you they, they said you had, like you were struggling with drop passes. And I was thinking, yeah. wow, like, all right, this kid's 22 years old, coming to the league, and like now he's dropping balls, and like that screws with you mentally. And I'm just thinking, like, how, how did that affect you mentally? And then from a fundamental standpoint, like, what did you do to get through that as far as your training and your work ethic? Like, what did you do to get over that block and, and kind of overcome that? Right. Well, I mean, just, geez, just thinking back, man, it was it was difficult, you know, just just thinking about it. Because, you know, in college, you know, I, I never dropped the ball right. or it was rare if it happened, you know, even in practice. But, you know, it was just one of those situations where, where you know, it started at the, uh, the, uh, the senior bowl where I started dropping passes from for some odd reason. I don't know. I don't know if I was, you know, nervous with all the scouts and the coaches and all that being out there or just getting ready for the uh, the draft and stuff. So it started at the Senior Bowl, then it continued on to the, uh, the Combine, and then at the Pro Day, and then all of a sudden I started getting a little better. But finally got drafted, went to Miami, and, you know, still struggling later on in the year, you know. Mm. And it was just like one of those things, just really couldn't figure it out you know it's yeah. like damn what is going on why am i dropping the ball i'm like okay for one there's nothing wrong with my eyes two there's definitely nothing wrong with my hands but it was just it was just a whole lot you know i don't know if it was just just with you know everything that was being thrown on my plate or what but then i just had to keep working through it you know yeah. i had the, the veterans around me I had you know chris chris chambers marty booker Wes welker you know all these guys around me just helping me and, and just telling me just just to focus you know not worry about anything but especially being a rookie obviously you don't want to make no mistakes so yeah, yeah. just 
trying to get through it. You know, the easiest thing for me to what I started doing was just catching more. Right. You know, right. catching, catching, catching more before practice and after practice, because, you know, it really just came down to a confidence thing. It had mm-hmm. nothing to do with, uh, you know, my hands or anything like that. It was just, you know, I wasn't confident enough in my ability. You know, normally when I go out there and play, I'm always confident. You know, I feel like I, I can beat anybody that's in front of me. Right. And, and for that instance, or for those six months or whatnot, it just it just wasn't there. But, you know, I talked to the coaching staff and the other players around me, and the best thing I could, could have done was just I just kept catching more balls, you know, before practice, after practice. And then, uh, you know, I finally got out of it, which uh, which felt great. And, uh, you know, I got the confidence back in me, and then, you know, I started making plays. So, but, you know, things like that, it's like when it happens and you start reading about it in the newspaper and all that and the fans start getting to you, it right. really bothers the hell, hell out of you. You start thinking about it mentally and – uh it took a while to get out of it, but I finally did. Yeah, because like people fail to realize sometimes, like you're a 22 year old kid, just like everyone else. You know, like same way another 22 year old be struggling with paperwork or their job, like you're struggling to do part of your job and catch the football. You know, right? Like it's, it's the same. It's the same type of thing. Yeah, I, it was. It, it was. It was difficult, man. But I was. Uh, you know, it took a while to get out of it because you hear everything. You know, the players on the defense. You know, getting on you and stuff. Oh, he can't catch. Why would he draft? Why we draft him and right. this and that? You know, right. I heard it all with. With the defense, so that's something they use against me in, in in one-on-one drills. But I think that's where I really start, you know, building my confidence up again. It came back because I was killing them in one-on-ones, and it just had to translate uh, onto the playing field or, or, or game time, which it, which it finally did later on in the season. Was there any like specific drill you remember that helped you? Because one thing I've done with my guys when when they trouble have trouble catching balls, I make them do all kinds of screwed up things. Like I'll make them hold a plate, like two plates in their hand for five minutes until they can't feel their arms, and then fire a hundred balls at their face. Like or like, make, like make them do fifty push-ups, their arms are sore, and be like, listen, you just caught this ball, your arms feel like they weigh two hundred pounds. Like just go catch it when you feel normal. Like little things like that to kind of give them confidence back. Right. Well, you know what? Obviously, whenever we dropped the ball in practice, we always did push-ups. But I think for me, it was just you know before practice, I would go out catch anywhere from 50 to 100 balls just to get warmed up off the jug machine and then you know obviously getting with the quarterbacks during pre-practice you know doing a little sideline toe tap where I just know my eyes are just focusing on the ball and not looking down at the ground when I'm you know on the sideline because you know you see a lot of receivers doing that instead of Mm -hmm. watching the ball they're looking at their feet to see if they're in bounds um you know catching balls over the shoulder from from the uh the ball boys and then you know at the end of practice same thing 50 to 100 balls off the jug machine because I just wanted to make sure you know, I had to feel the ball, you know, right. in practice, you know, there's, you only get so many balls in practice. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, in a game time, you never know what you're, how many you're going to get because it's only one ball. And when you're not the, the, the go-to guy, you know, as a rookie, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. So obviously if you get, you know, let's say one or two passes a game, it's like, you better make that play because if you don't, everybody's going to remember you drop. No doubt. Yeah. 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 yeah there's <laughs> so, no doubt. And everything's magnified when you don't have that many opportunities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just, I had just had to work through it, man. It took a while, but like I said, I had those other veterans in front of me that really helped me and just, you know, told me not to worry about anything. Just keep going out there and, and, uh, and and practicing because that's where you get better at is in practice. You know, you, yeah. they say you 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 uh, you play like you practice, and you know I was practicing pretty well, but I just it just wasn't translating to mm-hmm. the game field. But it finally did towards the uh, the end of the season. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's just a, it's a good lesson I think for guys to hear. You know, that, like <laughs> here's a kid who you know had all the success at Arizona State, came in was a was a you know everyone was excited about him in the NFL. I'm like this stuff can happen to anybody. You know, when you got to work through it like like anyone else. There's no one who, who's immune to it. Oh yeah, I had a case of the drop season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I finally got out. <laughs> That's awesome. Confidence came no back. Doubt. That was the main thing, confidence. Confidence, so. yeah.
Yeah, now nah, it was interesting where you were just talking about uh, kind of coming into the league. That's going to be my next question is is what the hardest adjustment is. And a kid I coach who's, who's appeared on this podcast before, Leonte Carew, was drafted in the third round of the Dolphins uh, in 2016. I coached mm-hmm. him at Rutgers. And, I, you know, he, he kind of struggled his rookie year. He gained a lot of weight, got back in shape this year, has been better. Um, but I know a big struggle for him that he was really struggling to. He'd been the go-to receiver. He has all the Rutgers records similar to you and was struggling kind of working in special teams to his game and learning all the positions. Like, like that similar struggle that you said you were able, that because you conquered that, that helped the longevity of your career. Just just talk about that a little bit more. I think, I think it's interesting for like the everyday receiver who's not coming in as the number one guy, the, all the kind of hats you got to wear. Right. Well, you know, when you come in, you're not going to be the number one guy as a rookie. There's right, always, no you know, vets that have been there that are, in year five, six, seven, or eight, something like that. And and for me, like I said, I had Chris Chambers, Marty Bilker, Wes Welker. So these are all vets, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm the fourth guy on the roster. So you know in football, you know, pro football, they only dress, uh, what is it, 40, 43, 44 guys, something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, everybody can't, you know, the number one, number one, receiver, number, one number two receiver, they're not going to play on special teams. So for me, I had to learn how to do it. You know, at mm-hmm. first, you know, I didn't want to do it, but after a while, I was like, you know, I like this. You know, I want to do it. This yeah. is fun, you know, yeah. running down because you want to play as much as you can. And, and once I figured that out and conquered it, it was, you know, there was no stopping me on it. You know, I was on punt, punt return, kickoff, kickoff return. I was on everything. And, you know, that's pretty much, uh, you know, for a young guy that's, you know, undrafted. Uh, that's the way to make the team, you know, get in good with the special yeah. teams coach, you know, whatever team you're on. And I, you know, I, I learned that I conquered it and, and knew what my abilities were, but I still had to work at it. You know, no it's, all, it's all a work ethic uh, playing on special teams, and it's a want. And, you know, it, it took some time, but I finally got it down and started making plays, and it just got easier and easier. But the first time out there at Gunner, you know, I got I got, I got got slammed into the, into the sideline, which is, <laughs> which is never fun against that vice. So yeah. <laughs> I had to learn how to use my hands a little bit. A Gunner is one of the two widest cover guys on either side of a punt team. Uh, generally, more athletic players like defensive backs or wide receivers are in this position, and they are responsible for being the first players down the field to cover the punt and tackle the punt returner. <laughs> did, that, did those experiences help you as a receiver a little bit? Oh, yeah, without a doubt, because yeah. it you know just made me change my mentality a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. they, some people think, you know, receivers are, are divas and don't have that mean streak in them. But, I'm, you know, for me, it was just different. I was like, it don't matter who's in front of me. I'm going to beat you no matter what. You yeah. know, if I'm the, whether I'm number four, number five, or even the number one receiver, it's just I feel like my ability is better than yours you know, mm-hmm. on my worst days. So right, it really right. and you got you, you got to feel that so, way. So it was like, you know, and, and, it, and it helped me. And, you know, like I said, I just made myself more viable because I was also able to play not only outside, but also play inside at, uh, you know, at the, at the slot position because, you know, I was a receiver that was known for routes, known for getting open, known for, you know, creating separation at the top of the route. And, you know, I could run any route in the route tree. And that's what I would tell a whole lot of receivers mm-hmm. now. Don't focus on one route. You know, you got to make sure you can run a whole route tree if you want right. to play a long time. And where do you feel like that came from for you as far as your route running ability? How did that develop during your journey? Oh, man, that started early. That started in in high school. You know, I, uh, you know, before leading up to high school, I was playing running back. And then I switched to my two receiver probably about my sophomore or junior year. And, you know, I just start watching. I don't know if YouTube was out back. I think it was YouTube out back then. But Mm -hmm. I was just watching tapes on the computer, you know, old tapes, stuff that was going on. And. Just learning how to get in and out of my breaks is, you know, just watching certain things. You know, you see a lot of guys, you know, at the top of their breaks, you know, taking all those, you know, those four or five, six extra choppy steps at yep. the top, which is, you know, obviously going to uh, give the DB a lot more time to break on your route. You know, no, me, you know, it was always boom, 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 one, two, three, I'm in and out. You yep. know, and 
And it was just something that I learned and, and, and worked at every single day because, you know, guys can, you know, some guys that can just run deep, but they can't stop, mm-hmm. you know. And I mm-hmm. think I just, I mastered that where, you know, I was able to run that, that comeback route, that curl route, that, that, uh, that deep dig where you're, you know, where you're uh, getting in there off of that one cut. So it was yeah. something I learned, you know, it took a while, but, you know, as, as I got it down and that's when I figured out, you know, it's like I can run any route in the route street. Nobody's going to be able to cover me, yeah. period. And that skill, like having that art of route running, like you were saying, some guys can run deep and not stop. Like there's guys who have made NFL careers that can't run deep, but can stop and stop and stop, you know, and like run great routes in the 12 to 18 yard area, but can never run by anyone. And they play in the league for 12, 15 years because they're so good at that craft. Yeah, because you know? like so for me, it was all about my fundamentals and my technique. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't, you know, even though I came out of the combine and ran a 4-4, you know, I still wasn't the fastest guy, you know, like it was for me, it was just all about technique and fundamentals and being able to run routes. And, you know, if you can stop on a dime, you know, nobody's going to be able to cover you because then you're always open. No doubt. You know, and that's how I felt. I was always, it doesn't matter if you're right on me, I'm going to get out of my break faster than you can break on the ball. Mm-hmm. So, And you always have the advantage, which I tell my guys all the time, like, you know where you're going and he doesn't. So like, you, you know yeah. what I mean? As long as you don't screw it up, you should win every time. Mm-hmm, exactly. You, you know what I mean? And like, you just got as long as you're better in the tech in the break area, you have better technique than he does. You always have the advantage, and now you just got to go out there and execute it. Right. That's that's true. So that's that's what it comes down to: just execution and and you know believing in yourself and then going out there and doing. You know, obviously, if you if you practice well, you're gonna play well. So mm-hmm. so that's where it starts. That it all starts in practice. In between the white lines, you got to be able to turn on that switch. Uh, you know, not just one day a week in practice. You got to you got to practice well on a daily basis. Yeah. Was there was there a coach in particular that you felt like developed those habits or, or, or helped develop you as a as a receiver as far as the fundamentals? But I think it, you know it started with my receiver coach at Arizona State, Daryl Jackson, and I think you know then it went from there. Once I got went to the uh, uh, New York Giants with uh, I think it was Jerry Sullivan, and then uh, Sanjay Lyle was probably one of the best receiver coaches. You know, I had in the uh, NFL. He, uh, I think, he's with the Dallas Cowboys now, but he's gonna have some work to do with Dez. So I'm, I'm rooting for him to yeah. see what he does with, with, with Dez, because you know everybody's talking about he's been struggling running routes, but I think uh, Sanjay would be the guy to to get him right and have him running a full route tree. How did you? How did your relationship with your coaches? Is it a lot different in the NFL? You now becoming kind of like a grown man, more of an adult. Like you know, you're. you're you, you kind of have figured things out more. Is that a lot different than in, in college when they're, you know, trying to help you grow up and help you mature? Is that relationship a lot different? Yeah, it's a lot different because you're, you know, college, you're, you're young, you know, pro, you're dealing with grown men. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, uh, you know, when I, when I was in Miami, I was a young guy. So, like, I had all these vets and, and you know, they're just looking at coaches like, man, you can't talk to me like that. <laughs> what? I make more money than you. So, it's like, <laughs> I'm just sitting there looking like, man, this is, I was like, what? Like, okay. But everybody, you know, once everybody buys in, it's, I guess it's just a love hate relationship because they know they have to go out there and do the work. But sometimes, uh, you know, coach will give them a little leeway, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was just a little different. It was eye opening to see it for the first time. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a grown man sport. Mm. You know, there, there's no little boys out there playing football. You know, right. there's no 18, 19 year olds out there. Everybody, you know, that was on that roster when I first started with Leaf was at least, you know, 27, 28 and up. Right, which is <laughs> you crazy. You know, I'm coming in as a 21-year-old, like, man, like, you know, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm the new, I'm the new, <laughs> the new guy, huh? 
we drafted you. You're supposed to take my position. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, Man, they didn't even want to help me at first. So. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, that's crazy. You're usually an 18-year-old looking up at a 21, 22-year-old. Like, like, you know, I can't believe how old he is. Imagine being 21 looking up at a 30-year-old who's been in the league right. 10 years, you know? Yeah, it's just a little different, so... What was your? Did you, do you remember like like a, a welcome to the NFL moment where you were like, "Damn, this is this is different." Was it? Was there something that stood out to you? Man, I think uh, I think it was the first time I got hit in seven on seven. I was like, "Damn, we hitting in seven on seven? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> seven on seven period. Where right. you're going up the middle, and you know, I got. I wasn't sure who hit me. I wasn't sure if it was Zach Thomas or or Channing Crowder, but somebody hit me. I don't know who did it. Yeah, one of the two hit me, and it was like, okay. I'm like, all right, that's that's the seven on seven. Yeah, this is a hit, man. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So it's make sure your head is on a swivel next period because because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> that's awesome. So one thing, one thing I've tried to do with this whole podcast that like, so I, I got to Rutgers is like coaching at the highest level, players at the highest level is just so different than I thought it would be. It's just much more human, you know, like everyone's just, just like me. And you, you know, from, the, mm-hmm. from the TV, from the media, you, you don't really ever get that perspective. So a big thing I try to do with this podcast is just like bring some humanity to coaching, to playing at the highest level, because people like to glorify it. All these guys do these spectacular things when it's like, oh, this is just us doing our job on a daily basis. Um, right. So, so one thing I thought was interesting with you was, you know, you play for six teams in eight years. Like that's six different cities in eight years. As a coach, you're kind of familiar with that, what it's like being able to do your job, knowing you might move, you know, pretty often. Explain how you had to deal with that as a player. And um, Well, for me, it didn't affect me too much. You know, obviously going to different cities, but it was just, you know, it was all about being a pro. You know, yeah. that's what it came down to. Uh, you know, first time I got cut, I was like, okay, you know, I didn't, didn't understand why. And, you know, next thing, you, you know, you get a you get a letter saying your your uh you know your play has been unsatisfactory. Mm. So I was like, okay, like all right, whatever. So then you know, next thing I know, I'm I'm done in Miami. I go up to New York with the Giants, and I'm up there for you know two and a half years, and and it's going great. So I've already I've gone from Miami to New York to you know Oakland, and then um, from Oakland I went to Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo, and back to Oakland, yeah. and Oakland. You know, I went to after Oakland. Went to Tampa Bay for yeah. a little bit, then I finished up in Tennessee. So, yeah, I've been in some pretty good cities, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just it's an adjustment, you know. That's yeah. why you know you make sure you have your home base, um, you know, in one place like I have here now in Arizona, and you know, in the other, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So it was just it was just all about being prepped and being prepared because you know I've been in different offenses, but it was never you know difficult to learn it. But yeah, moving and moving that much. Yeah, it's 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 you know it's Boston, but most most places I was there, you know, for two two and a half years. So what? Right, that's bad. good. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Is that, and is that what most guys do? Is they have like a home base wherever they want to live, and then just kind of rent and like figure out housing as they go until they're really you know locked in somewhere. Is that is that how it works for most guys? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much how most guys do it. But you know, you figure out exactly where you want to be, and because you never know what's going to happen with your career. Like I said, you know, the NFL's average career is two two and a half three years. Mm-hmm. Tops, if that, you right. know, so it's like, you know, you know, playing that long, I, mean, I was fortunate, but, you know, that's what, my, that's what most guys do, you know, you find that, you know, that right place, and then if you get cut, it's like, hey, you know, it's back to the drawing board, you gotta get back to work, let's get put on a new team and try to help the new team contrib- contribute to the new team. Yeah, and then, talking back kind of to what I was saying, like, do you have, do you have a specific story you can think about, like, that you think would bring humanity in a way, like, make it relatable to what it's like playing in the NFL? You know, we all do things the same, you know, obviously I had the athletic ability, but, I still had to get up like every single other person in the world. You know, I had to right. get up and, and 
and go work at it, go to work. Because mm-hmm. if you didn't, if you don't work hard, you know, they're going to look for somebody else to replace you. Right. That's like any job. You know, if you, if you, you know, if you're the janitor and you're not cleaning stuff up the right way, you know, they're going to try to find another janitor to replace you, you know, somebody mm-hmm. that can do that job a whole lot better. And it's the same thing, uh, you know, in the NFL. It's like, you know, if you're not eating right, if you're not taking care of your body, if you're not lifting weights, if you're not, you know, doing the right things, you know, out there on a practice field or or taking what coach is giving to you in the meeting rooms to the practice field. You know, they're eventually, you know, they're only going to they're only going to deal with you for so long and then they're going to bring in the next guy. Right. And you know, that's. That's everyday life. That's any job. It's like, you know, the basically it's a, what 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 have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so you got to you got to make sure you bring your A game on a daily basis and I think, you know, these these owners and these head coaches, you know, they they want they they want your A game on a daily basis. biggest thing that separates you, you spoke to it earlier is like your ability to, to compete at that level every day you know like they taught was that was there anything like that for you or where, where that that grind really became too much or, or did you feel pretty well suited for it no i was well suited it was uh, it was always fun to me because it's saying i had fun right you know, uh, you know it was time to practice like let's go you're out there mm-hmm. for two hours a day practicing that's it right the other time you're probably spending in in meetings so it wasn't you know you gotta i always try to take something uh, that I wanted to get better at in practice, whether it was catching, whether it was getting in and out of my break, whether it was blocking, whether it was, um, you know, just just knowing my alignments on certain plays or just knowing exactly what I'm supposed to do. So I took some each and every day because you can't get better at everything mm-hmm. you know, in one day. So I always just took bits and pieces from on certain things that I wanted to work on and, and had fun with it. You know, if we were in one-on-ones, I'm like, all right, if I go, if I go five times in one-on-ones, I'm going to be five for five today. You know, right. It's not going to be, yeah. you know, that, that's just always, I always just challenge myself and you know, every player should be like that. Cause you, like I said, you can't just have one good day of practice and then not practice well the other two, three days. And then think you're just going to show up on Sunday. It doesn't, it don't work like that at yeah. all, especially for football. Yeah. You can, you know, basketball, you know, you can shoot some free throws, you know, get some shots up. Baseball, you can, you know, hit the ball off the tee. But no, football, you got to go out there. You got to, it's right. a timing thing. Right. You got to be, you know, you got to run routes for the quarterback and, and, and run a full speed because that's, you know, he's throwing to a spot. And, mm-hmm. and that was always fun to me. Right. It's still fun to me because I still get out now and run around yeah. when I got time. So it's always That's awesome. It's always fun. You got to have fun with it. You know, football's fun. It's not as demanding, but, you know, it's just like when you're a little kid, you know, you had fun playing. So why not have fun when you're 30 years old? Exactly. Just because it's at the higher level, nothing needs to change from that. That's what that's what the game's built on is everyone everyone loving it and the love for the game. Yeah, and you get paid to do it. So, like, why not? <laughs> right. What's better <laughs> than that? <laughs> really? Yeah, for real, for real. Like, you're, you're, you're making good money to play the greatest game in the world. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, so I didn't complain. I was like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> that's awesome. So let's talk about, so, so let's talk about transitioning out of the NFL then. Right. Um, so... You were you you were cut for the last time. Um, so mm-hmm. they tell me how that process kind of was when when you started to look into you know starting something else and starting to think, wow, you know, is, is this going to be the last chance I'm going to get? And, and kind of how, how that was. Right. Well, I was you know I, I started thinking about what I wanted to do back in like 2011, something like that. When I got, I think it was like the third time that I got cut, and I was like, all right, what do I want to do once I'm done? And and. That's when I just started started messing around, you know, with the media and stuff. And I 
uh, you know, I start taking classes, start taking hosting classes, start taking, you know, on on camera hosting classes and stuff like that and radio classes. And and, you know, when I was done in 2014, I was already ready to go. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got done. And ever since I've been done, you know, obviously I've been been in TV radio. Yeah. You know, since 2014, I host my own uh, radio show for Sun Devils out here in Arizona and also do some freelance TV work with some different networks out here. So it was always it wasn't something that I originally wanted to do. It was just something I just fell into. Right. You know, which is what I feel like is is, is pretty neat because, you know, it's easy and it's fun. But at the same time, you still, uh, you know, you're still around the game. Now I just get to talk a little football, but I still had to. You know, learn that craft. I had to, per, you know, perfect it. You know, I wasn't a, mm-hmm. a, a great football player without practicing. And the same thing, you know, when it comes to media stuff, I had to put in that time, that effort, and and here I am. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> with, with, with that side, which is that awesome side. though. It, it, it's so cool to hear about. I draw the similarities, and I was I was you know trying to coach at the highest level, and I'm like literally teaching myself this as I go. I have like six guys with me who are on like the sideline hustle team. You're the first interview I've done who's not like anyone who's not like one of my boys really. So this is like the first the first time for me too, and it's it's been cool just just put myself out right. there. All this stuff, you know. Oh yeah, that's pretty fun, man. Yeah. I, I like I like the I like the media stuff. So it's just you know it's a different perspective, and you know obviously being a former athlete and stuff, and you know with us knowing that knowledge, it just makes it a lot more a lot a lot funner because there's certain things you know we can talk about that somebody somebody that hasn't been in exactly. meeting rooms or in a locker room would know about. Exactly. So, so so then how did that transition into into the clothing line you started and into kind of building your own business? Like how, how did that whole process start? Well, I still do a lot of work for this company called Game Breaker Helmets. I don't know if you've uh, heard of them, but they're soft shell helmet company, you know, mm-hmm. based in, in Westlake, um, California, where they, you know, they provide the uh, the headgear for for those seven on seven tournaments, you know, because seven on seven is so big. Right. So we're, we're, we're right now in a leading provider for all, you know, seven on seven, you know, that's a, br- that's a brilliant niche to kind of capitalize on. Yeah. So you know? they, uh, you know, a guy by the name of Mike Jules, who I still uh, do a lot of work with, uh, you know, he came up with the invention about probably like 10, 15 years ago. So right now, you know, business is is booming on that side, yeah. uh, you know, just just trying to, you know, protect these players while out there playing uh, in these seven on seven tournaments because it's still football. But at the same time, you know, these kids are still uh, running into each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously he had his, uh, you know, his game break. He's got his logo, got all the swag, his gear, his clothing. I was like, man, I need to do something <laughs> like this. I'm like, what? You know, even though he had the he had the, you know, the soft shell helmet. But I was like, it's pretty neat having having your own apparel line. And I was like, all right. You know, that was that was like a few years ago when I was looking into it. And then earlier last year, or actually last year, yeah, we're already in 2018. It's crazy. It's crazy. So 2017, around, you know, around October, you know, I started, you know, talking to a few people, started talking to Phenom Elite and was like, all right, I think I want to do this. You know, I want to come out with my own apparel line. And because, you know, I've got a pretty good following and people, you know, I guess they see certain things that I'd be wearing. I'm always working out. And it just got me wanting to do it, you know, yeah. I come up with my own stuff. Because I was like, you know, it's always certain things that I say, little slogans. And like, all right, I need to put this stuff on a T-shirt. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> and like, so, why not? Yeah, I'm like, why not? So I got, you know, I got in with, with, with Phenom and uh, we, we created a, a brand for me. And, uh, you know, uh, and my team is doing a pretty good job with it. You know, we definitely want to thank a Game On Management, Tara. She's, uh, she's been holding it down for me. So that's awesome. So we got some. So it's, uh, you know, so I just came up with my apparel. I just, right now it's just called Derek Hagen Apparel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, eventually I feel like I'm going to end up changing the name, but we're just going with my name for right now. But, okay. uh, you know, we got a lot of. You know, T-shirts, hats, uh, you know, women's leggings, all that stuff, sweatshirts. And, 
And I, I go by, you know, decide, dedicate, dominate is something I've, uh, you know, stuck with since I was a kid. And, you know, decide on what you want to do, dedicate yourself to that craft, and then uh, at the same time, dominate it. Tell me who flop, who cop the blue drop, who jewels got pops, who mostly goes you down to the blue drop. The same old pimp makes you. That's one of my slogans that I that I run with. But we got a lot of stuff on uh, up on uh, DerekHaganApparel.com, and uh, it's, it's it's pretty good. I'm excited to see where it's where it's going. Even though it's only I've only been in in business for about you know three months now. Yeah, so. that's amazing. What, what what are your what are your bigger visions for this? What, what are you hoping um, it's it's going to grow into? Um. You know, I would say just a, just a trend because a lot of it is is you know it's it's workout attire. I think everything that I'm saying is just you know it's, it's, it just makes you feel good. You know, you you know when you throw on certain clothes and you know you look in the mirror and you're like, damn, this this is fresh. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, so yeah. At the right. Same time, you know, when, you, when you're at the gym, it's like you know you got this slogan where it, you know one of my set one of my a couple of my one of my shirts says just win mm-hmm. or just work, and the other one says uh, you know built to win. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's just stuff that that you know just try tries to motivate you while while you're out there doing whatever you're doing. Not right. even just working out. You know, if you're just walking down the street, you know, it's just like all right, you know, just something, some simple, something easy. You right. know, it's not something. I don't think it's not something you're gonna wear in the club. But if you were ever <laughs> seen somebody with that in the club, I'd be like, okay, how'd you get in? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to see where it goes this year. I think uh, it's gonna be it's gonna do pretty well. Uh, as, as far as I know right now, it's doing really well. And, and hopefully, uh, you know, if I can motivate somebody each and every day and change somebody's life by just, just being me, you know, I'm all for it. Anything else you want to say about about uh, you know your, your apparel line and, and kind of what you're up to now? Anything else you want to, you want to tell the people? Oh man, just you know check my clothing out. DerekHaganApparel.com got some good stuff coming. Uh, you know each and every month we're putting different stuff out. Uh, you know whether we got we got uh, men's and women. So ladies, we're not forgetting about you. Uh, mm-hmm. Can't forget about my ladies trying to keep them fresh at the same time because uh, you know I know they're big time motivators too. So. You guys get a chance to check it out and, uh, you know, have some fun with it. Awesome. And that will definitely be, uh, we'll, we'll have all the links for, for Derek Hagan Apparel on, on the website, on the podcast and everything, so everyone can access that. But, uh, man, it was, it was great talking to you. I hope, I hope we can do this again and continue to collaborate. I'd love to keep learning from you, man, because it's been really cool to learn about your career and, and get to meet you here, and, and you've definitely had a lot of success. So I admire a lot of what you've done, man. Oh, appreciate it, man. Thank you. No yeah, doubt. Definitely got to do it again. All right, man. No doubt. Talk to you soon. Okay, cool. Holla at me. And that is it for episode three of Forward Progress. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview as much as I did. Derek and I recorded this via FaceTime, and I remember how much I felt like I was learning at the time just from watching the way he carried himself and answered each question, not to mention the incredible journey he had to share with us. So I really appreciate Derek coming on with us today and adding to the show. Be sure to check out DerekHaganApparel.com. The link is in the show notes below, or find his business at DerekHaganApparel on Instagram and his personal account at DHagan80 on Instagram. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and for supporting the Sideline Hustle. Hit us up 
up on Instagram and Twitter at Sideline Hustle for teach tapes, film breakdowns, and updates every single day. Keep hustling. Keep supporting the movement. I will see you on the podcast next week. Peace. The ghetto will fellow the more. Oh my God, they speak venomous on the boy. Oh my Lord, my enemy is fear and I'm sure. Oh my God, they want the end of me cause I'm pure. Oh my Lord, discipline for the win. I just go for it. It's a trend for these men to die on their own sword. Journey far, learn who you can be, but you can learn who you are when you around family. Chip off the shoulders of soldiers on a grizzle. My granddaddy Mac Little married Danny Little. They passed down wisdom, blessings were given. Pray my sins don't get passed to my children. I made a killer. I'm alive like the morning star. Call Jordans for the price on stocks so of what the hornets are. I need evaluations, I'm savvy, y'all. Eating foie gras and caviar, listen.